As you're turning to Luke chapter 1, a few questions. Now, if your parents are in here, you probably don't want to, uh, to you know, join in this. But if they're not, um, you, can, you can join in, in raising your hand. How many of you, when Christmas was approaching, um, you looked for your presence? Like, you, you wanted to try and find your presence. Go ahead, you got you The first hour, come on. Everybody, you try to find your presence. I did. Okay, second, second question. How many of you... How many of you found your found your presence? Found them? Okay, good, good. This is where the rule followers are going to start dropping off. Um, number number three question: How many of you played with your Christmas presents before Christmas? Anybody? Play with them. I'm there. How many of you? How many of you um, broke your Christmas presents? Broke them? Anybody break them? I didn't break mine. But I'm not, I'm, like, I like rules, I just think they're for everybody else. But, um, <laughs> so I'm not really a rule follower. I, it's, yeah, I, I tell you, the Lord's working on my heart. I'm t- I, I tell you regularly, I'm not not very good person, except for God's grace, and this is proof. Um, I, I didn't break any Christmas presents, but my parents, when I, I think I was 10, maybe 11, um, my parents got me a pocket knife. I found it in my dad's drawer, and I was whittling on some wood. I didn't break the pocket knife, but I did cut my finger on it. And I had to come up with a story. I know. <laughs> what, what happened, right? Here's something that I can guarantee you we all have in common, all right? As kids, waiting for Christmas was agonizing. Anybody agree with that statement? Like, I mean, Christmas morning is never ever going to get here. And you can hear three weeks out as a kid, you're like, three weeks? I mean, that's almost a month. It's never going to get here. As, a, as an adult, as a parent, I'm like, I better get started shopping. But uh, as, as, a, as a kid, I'm like, man, it's never going to get here. Never going to arrive. And in the last two, three days, the night before, like, you get home from church from Christmas Eve service, and you're like, next morning is never going to arrive. And you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And here's kind of where we're going this morning. The first Christmas was much like that. The first Christmas morning was much like that. Now, we have a a set date that we're looking forward to. That wasn't the case the first Christmas date. In fact, if you remember last week, we talked about it. 400 years, God had been silent. We hadn't heard from him. And there was this anticipation that God was going, at least among a, re- a, among a remnant of people, a small group of Israelites who believed that God was going to keep his promise that he had made to, to Abraham so many years before. So there's a small remnant for 400 years. God's going to keep his promise. At any day, the Messiah could come, could, come, could show up. God's going to keep his promise. God's going to keep his promise. And people would be born and they would die. And a new generation would take up the, the cause, so to speak. God is a promise keeper. He's coming. He's going to keep his promise. This morning, in Luke chapter 1, I just want to introduce you to two people who were in that remnant that believed that God was a promise giver, but he was almost also a promise keeper. Here's what this has to do with us this morning before we jump in. Every single one of us, if you know Christ this morning, If you're a follower of Christ, every one of us has lived at a time or in a season where you just didn't know what God was up to. It it seemed as if he was silent. It seemed as if he was distant. It seemed as if 
he did not care. And we've all been in seasons like that. But maybe in the distant or in the recent past, or maybe you're in there this morning. You're in the middle of that season this morning, or may maybe it's coming in the in the very near future. And it seems as if God is silent, distant, and you just can't figure out what he's up to. We've all been there. And if that's the season that you find yourself in this morning or in the future you find yourself in, Christmas, the Christmas story is for you. Let me introduce you to two people who walk through this exact same time or season of life. Starting in chapter 1 and verse 5. If you have your phone, you might might be easier to, to go to uh, that Bible app and Go to more in the event, and you can find it there and, and, try, and, and, and kind of go along if you don't have your Bible. If not, you can follow along on, on the screen. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Here's what the verse Verse 5 just tells us. It just says this, that they're a pastor's kids. They're from the, the priestly line of Israel and uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Their dads were pastors in, in the modern day vernacular. Their dads were priests. Granddads were priests. Great-granddads were priests. They, they came from a line, from the priestly line of, of Israel. Verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Stop right there, because on the surface, this verse is a little bit troublesome for us. If you're reading through, and you take a second, you get to verse 6, this is a troublesome verse. Why? Because the Bible tells us that, that they um, were righteous before God. And then it tells us how they were righteous before God. Walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. When you read that, that's troublesome. Why? Because we believe that the Bible teaches throughout from, from the beginning to the end that you do not have a right standing before God based on your own merits. We believe that righteousness, to have a right standing before God based on the scriptures, or to have a right standing before God, that you have to be blameless. You cannot sin, not one time. Otherwise, the Bible tells us that you have disobeyed the whole law. So the only way... To have a right standing before God, the only way to be righteous is to is is to have is to be perfect. None of us measure up to that, and that's why Jesus came. That's why we celebrate the first Christmas, because Jesus came. He um, obeyed the law perfectly. He died in our place. He atoned for our sins, and then he he does this cosmic or spiritual swap. He takes our sin. He gives us his. Righteousness, And so the Father sees us blameless, sees us righteous, because he, the Father sees his Son's righteousness. It's imputed. It's given to us. That's what we believe the Bible teaches. And then we come along, and in the first part of the, of the Gospel of Luke, we just get six verses down, and all of a sudden it says that Elizabeth and Zechariah were righteous, because they kept the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Which one is it? When you're reading the scriptures, you've got to wrestle with verses like this. So I did a little bit of, uh, of work this week trying to figure out, what's the, wait, that can't be possible. 
Like they cannot be righteous based on keeping the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. The Bible tells us that's not true all the way throughout. So what's the, what's the, the writer of this gospel, Dr. Luke, teaching? We're going to fast forward and just kind of give you a, a glimpse of kind of where we're going very quickly. In just a second, Zechariah, just a few verses down, Zechariah is going to have a conversation with Gabriel on behalf of the Lord. And, and it, it, this conversation is not going to go well for Zechariah. He's going to sin. He's not going to take the Lord at his word, which is what we found out. Righteousness is tied to believing that God is going to keep his promises, trusting in that, placing your faith in that. Zechariah, in just a few verses, is not going to trust the Lord. It's not, he's not going to believe the Lord. So it, it would be strange to think that the writer Luke would say that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth have never sinned. Not one time. That they're completely and totally blameless. They've kept every statute of the Lord. And then just a couple verses down show us uh, an example of how Zechariah blows it big time. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. They've never made any, they've never done anything wrong. They've never made, uh, done any sin. They've never committed any sin. And then all of a sudden, this huge sin, he doesn't believe the Lord whenever Gabriel shows up. It doesn't make sense. And so when you're reading through this and you're wrestling with the passage, those are the questions that I'm asking, you know, throughout the week. What's, what's, the, what's the Bible teaching here? And here's, let, let me just read what I, what I found oh, several different times. It says, Zachar, uh, what Luke is communicating is Zechariah and Elizabeth did not rest in their sin, but repented and trusted in the Lord. Uh, I... I, I it, we, nat we can naturally assume, just continuing on, we can naturally assume that walking blamelessly in all God's commandments does not mean sinless perfection. So what the, the gospel writer is, is trying to communicate here is not that they were perfect, not that Zechariah and Elizabeth were perfect, that they never sinned. No, it's that their, the regular rhythm of their life was one of dependence on the Lord. Was, was one, when, they, when they would sin, they would repent. They would, they would turn and they would ask for forgiveness. This was the regular rhythm of their life. Here's why I would kind of stop and camp out on this verse. This is rather amazing. I mean, this is an amazing thing. Why? Because everything in their life contradicts their faith. Here's what I mean. Their faith was grounded in this idea. Or this, this, this faith um, was grounded in belief that God was a God who keeps his promises. And for about 400 years, God had not done anything. He hadn't spoken. He hadn't sent a prophet. He hadn't sent the Messiah. Nothing. To add insult to injury, in 63 B.C., Pompey the Great overthrows Jerusalem. When Pompey the Great, this, this uh, Roman general, overthrows Jerusalem, he, he, he um, charges right into the temple. He pushes out the temple guard and makes his way right into the temple. When he gets into the temple, Pompey the Great goes to the Holy of Holies. It's the place that the Israelites believed that the presence of God dwelt. They had this, this belief that only a, a, a couple times a year... And after going through extensive ceremonial cleansing, could the high priest enter the Holy of Holies? 
If the high priest went in or anybody else went in at any other time without doing the ceremonial cleansing, the Israelites believed that God would strike them dead because they were not clean. And they could not go into the presence of God without being clean ceremonially. Well, Pompey the Great, this Israelite, or this uh, Roman uh, general, goes right into the temple and makes his way right into the Holy of Holies. Throws open the curtain and steps in, looks around, and then walks out. And God did nothing. Undoubtedly, Zechariah was a young boy at the time. And his dad, who was a priest, came home, I'm sure of it, came home, was broken, that the temple and the Holy of Holies have been desecrated by Pompey, this uh, Roman general. And he walked out, and God did nothing. And yet, the Bible tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth believed that God would keep his promises. The story unfolds. How did that work for him? Verse 7. But they, remember, they're righteous. They have a right standing before God. They're, they're blameless. They, the regular rhythm of their life is one of faith, believing that God is going to keep his promises. And here's what happens. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. For years, Elizabeth and Zechariah had hoped for a child, had hoped for a son. And year after year, month after month, week after week, week, their hopes were let down. They thought, I can, I, I, in my mind's eye, I can imagine that, that uh, Elizabeth, uh, there were times in her life that she thought, this is it. This is it. Uh, I'm going to have a son. And then a few weeks later, she would be let down. Her hopes would be dashed. And here she was, an old lady, a low standing in her community because she didn't have a son. All of her work was tied up in this idea of, of, of being a mom. All of her worth is tied up in that. And time after time after time, her hopes were let down. And here she is, a, an old lady. Undoubtedly, she understands, she knows that ship has sailed. She is never going to be a mom. There's no way to go back. She is barren, she's uh, old age, and she is never going to be a mom. And I'm sure regularly, mom, Elizabeth and Zachariah had conversations. God, what are you up to? Where are you at? We, we've been faithful. We're looking forward to the coming Messiah. We believe that you're going to send him. But Father, why are you not showing up? Why are you not giving us a son? My entire worth uh, in the community is tied into, in, into being a mom. And, and I've been faithful to you. And where are you? Why haven't you given me a son? And now in their, her old age, in their old age, we're not turning back the clock. It's never going to happen. Verse 8. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This is pretty cool. The priests 
would, would move around to different areas uh, of the temple and, and lead in worship, help the Israelites in worship. Um, every, uh, one time in, the, in their career, they would, they would be um, over the Holy of Holies, and then they would draw lots to see who could go and burn incense. This is the time that the lot was drawn for Zechariah. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This is a one time in his entire career that he's going to have the opportunity to burn incense in the Holy of Holies. And his, his, um, his name is drawn by Lot. He's in there by himself. We're going to see in the next verse. Verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So, Zechariah, one time in his career, this is a unique opportunity. He goes into the Holy of Holies to burn incense. He's there by himself. All the other people are outside as he offers this, this incense to God. And look what happens while he's in there. Verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, and this is the, the regular angel response, all right? Do not be afraid. Now, why would that be the case? Why all throughout the New Testament is this the regular response of the angels? Why? Because people were always afraid. I mean, every time an angel shows up, they're, they're so majestic, it, it seems. They're so majestic. They're so mighty. That, they, that people are scared. So every time they show up to somebody, they say, do not be afraid. That's why whenever I, every once in a while, have conversations with somebody and they're like, yeah, I was at dinner one night. And I, I'm telling you, Scott, I saw, I saw an angel. I'm always like, it's not a Bible angel. <laughs> if it was a Bible angel, you're going to respond like people in the Bible did. Like, don't be afraid. That's what you're going to hear. And so that's what this angel says. Do not be afraid. Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the Lord, of the just, and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah and Elizabeth have spent their entire lives, their married life, pleading, begging God for a son. Begging God for a son. God. Please send us a son. Give us a son. We've been faithful. And here in their older age, an angel shows up and says, you're going to have a son. The one that you're waiting for. The one that you've, that you've longed for. The one that you've prayed for. I'm going to give him to you. Look at Zechariah's response. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. First of all, he's a little bit diplomatic. He's like, I'm old, but my wife is advanced in years. <laughs> and we're going to see here in just a few minutes that Gabriel is indignant. I mean, he is mad. 
And it's easy to jump on Zechariah's back. I mean, I would like to think that if an angel came to me, and I was certain that it was a Bible angel, and they said, you know, don't be afraid, that anything that they said, I mean, I don't care what it is, anything I would believe. But Zechariah has shed many tears to this point, has comforted his wife, Month after month, year after year, as barrenness set in. And Zechariah, I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking, if I bring this information to her, and it ends up being a false alarm like it's happened so many times throughout our marriage, it is going to break her heart. I can't possibly bring it up one more time. I mean, we have, we have finally come to the point, to the realization, we understand that parenthood is not in our, in our lives. It's not for us. God has, not, has decided in his sovereignty to not give us a child. And we have finally come to the realization that this is where we stand. And we have finally accepted it. And if I bring this back up one more time, it is going to break my wife's heart. So I just need a little bit more information. I need a little bit more evidence. Zechariah. Or excuse me, Gabriel, Zechariah said, you got to give me a little bit more information. you got to give me a little bit more evidence. I cannot bear the thought of bringing this to my wife and seeing her heart broken one more time. It's easy to empathize with Zechariah. But at the end of the day, Zechariah sinned. He did not take God at his word. He looked at the circumstances. He looked at the, the, the calendar. He looked at the, the clock of, 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 of their lives. And they did not trust God to keep the promises that God made. And Gabriel was indignant. Verse 19. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was uh, sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Gabriel says, look, Zechariah, you want more evidence? I mean, I just left the presence of God Almighty. I brought this message to you from him, and you need more evidence? More, you need more evidence? Come on, man. And look at his, he goes on in, in his response in verse 20. And behold... You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. This is the first time in the New Testament somebody sent to a timeout. <laughs> Nine months, Zechariah will be unable to speak, and I think if you look in verse 62, he's also unable to hear, because they, they uh, give signs to him. And you don't give signs to somebody that can hear. So I think he is, he's mute, he's dumb, he cannot speak, and he cannot, he cannot hear. Verse 21. At the end of verse 20, I just want to point one thing out. It says, which will be fulfilled in their time. In the, in the original language, it means that it was fulfilled at exactly the time that God had prepared. Not a minute too late, not a minute too early. I think that's worth remembering this week. Verse 21. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. 
After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me and taken away, and take away my reproach among the people. Verse 25, just let me read it again. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. And this was the warm-up act. This was preparing the way for the first Christmas morning. This was uh, beginning the events that would unfold so that the Messiah would come. This was the beginning of the time that people had waited generation after generation after generation to see. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, in their faithfulness, even in spite of their unbelief, were invited to play a role. In the Messiah's coming to be one of us. This morning, as I said at the very beginning, I don't know where you are in life. Some of you may be in this time where you're going, God, I just don't understand. I mean, I believe that you keep your promises, but where are you right now? I mean, I believe that you're at work, but I just, I, I just don't see it right now. If I'm being honest, I don't see it right now. God, where are you? When are you going to show up? When are you going to work? This morning, I pray that the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth would be an encouragement to you that God is the promise giver, and he is the promise keeper, and he moves and works in a way that glorifies himself, but at just the right time, not a moment too soon, and not a moment too late. If that's where you are in life, you're wondering where is God, what's he up to? The Christmas story is for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that it spoke to us, and I pray that we would lean into it and it would change us. In Jesus' name we pray.